Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family. Cannolis and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChampaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your host, Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles, and I am joined today by both of my favorite people at Sports Info Solutions, Nathan Cooper and John Todd. Thanks for coming back, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. I appreciate you having us back. Yeah, thanks for the tag team. This is great. Uh, if you guys have not already gotten the guide, uh, Sports Info Solutions did a rookie guide. I actually went back over it today. I had slept on some of the undrafted free agents. Uh, so like going back over the guide and seeing like what you guys had written up about them was really informative because I started watching Warren Jackson. I started like looking at some of their players, but like I kind of slept on the fact that the Broncos were going to look at receivers, which I shouldn't have because George Payton has drafted a lot of receivers, but that that's a whole other thing. But yeah, anyway, if you guys are looking for the guy, it is on Amazon. Also, it is at ACTA Sports. Um, you can find it there. If you guys don't already follow Nate and John on Twitter, uh, you can follow Nate at NCoopDraft, and you can find John at the Real John Todd. Um, also, if you don't already follow Sports Info Solutions on Twitter, I don't know what's wrong with you, but you need to do that. Um, it is at SportsInfo underscore SIS. Uh Kind of pivoting from there, I honestly, I want to get right into it. Uh, so the Broncos had a draft, uh, first of all. Um, it did not go as I had anticipated. Uh, I don't know what you guys thought of it. Um, I kind of want to ask you that first and foremost before we kind of dive into the actual players, just because 
Uh, Broncos country is kind of dealing with the aftermath of the fact that like Justin Fields fell right into George Payton's lap and he didn't take him. Uh, I had heard the week before the draft from a trusted friend that like it wasn't going to happen. So it kind of helped me deal with the expectation that that was going to happen. Um, but still a little soul crushing just to know that like Chicago is getting ready for what they hope is a franchise quarterback. Um, do you think Payton blew it? Do you think like, what, what do you guys think? It's interesting. That definitely seemed like the, before the draft, that seemed like it was things had been turning towards that being the pivot point of where everything was going to hinge on. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's really interesting. They went that direction. Obviously all the Broncos people we had talked to had been hoping for that to happen. It seemed like the fan base was expecting it. And then, um, they went the route that I guess was expected if they didn't go the, the fields route, which, uh, I mean, certainly you get very good cornerback in Patrick Sertain, which we'll talk about, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you always want to trust the front office. Um, they've done their homework on, on these quarterbacks and everything, and, and they understand where they're at with their team better than anybody you would hope. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that was the big toss up there. He fell in your laps and, uh, and that was kind of the big decision to make. And they, they certainly went the, the defense route and, and kicked the can down the road. And, and I don't want to like get us too sidetracked, but, uh, if, and again, I'm pretty low on Drew Locke and I know I've, I know I've mentioned this to both you guys in the past. Uh, I don't know if you guys have done any work on the 2022 class much yet, just because I know we have a whole season between now and then. Uh, if Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater kind of fall on their faces, like, is this hopeless? Like, are the Broncos... Because my fear is that the Broncos roster now is too good to really be in a spot where they have a chance at a top quarterback again. So my fear is that they're kind of locked in essentially what what I would call QB purgatory. Um, is that like a realistic fear, do you think? Like, am I just overreacting because I really like Justin Fields or... I think, honestly, I think you can kind of argue both of those points. Um, because if you look at it, like obviously Fields would have been a great pick, um, but it does feel like the front office does think that Drew Lott can be the guy. You bring in Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater, you think that he is going to kind of mentor Locke. I think he just came out and said that he's good with doing that. Uh, and the hope is that maybe you can get him to help Locke a little bit and kind of help him through these next couple of seasons and kind of get him to develop the way that you hope that he would. Um, so I think you're looking at that aspect as in like, you know, if, if everything works out well, you've kind of got a little bit of a roster around Drew Locke now. Uh, you're hoping that you have the, you know, you don't have the injuries that you did the last couple of years, you know, the Sutton injury, things like that. Big, definitely big, uh, big blows to, uh, you know, a guy like Locke and his development. Um, so you're hoping that the roster is there for him uh, and, and he can really take that next step. Uh, and then, yeah, if, if he, if they don't, uh, and they kind of you know, fall flat on their face a little bit, then I think you have to look at a quarterback next year. Um, uh, because like you said, the roster is good enough to where you can't just keep, uh, you know, going down the road and, and hoping things do work out. Uh, I, I do think that Drew Locke was probably, he probably deserved one more shot. Um, you know, he did have a lot of, uh, you know, didn't play well, but he did have a lot of issues with the roster and having a lot of injuries and things like that. So maybe he did deserve another shot. It's hard to argue passing up on Justin Fields, obviously. Um, but you know, the way things are falling, I, I think this is his best opportunity. If everything doesn't work out, then I think you do have to look at a guy next year and whether that's a, a Sam Howell, a Spencer Rattler, um, I think those two guys and, and maybe somebody else like a Brock Purdy or someone else kind of sneaks up in there a little bit. But uh, as you said, I don't think you're looking at the Broncos drafting in the top five or anything. And, and it's possible that you have a guy like Rattler, maybe how um, that's going to go in that area. 
so you're going to have to maybe uh, you know trade up or, or hope that one of those guys falls. Um, but yeah, things don't work out this year. I, I think you really have to start looking at one next year. Um, but I think the front front office definitely believes in these guys, and, and hopefully this is the year that we kind of turn it around. Yeah, I know for me that means that I'm desperately praying for an Aaron Rodgers trade. But uh, yeah, but no. I think the Aaron Rodgers thing happening on on draft day gave it gave Denver some hope. Um, and there's just a lot of a lot of crazy rumors and things going on. I, I thought it happened a little bit too conveniently um, for it all to, to fall on draft day. Um, but I mean, I guess the jury is still out. There's still a lot of summer uh, left to go with uh, with Rodgers and, and the Packers. So who knows? But uh, w- one thing that like I, I know for me, that's kind of gotten like lost in the weeds with that, because I have been really vocal about the fact that I am kind of the, the process of passing on fields is really like questionable to me. But at the same time, I actually really like the Broncos picks, like the players they got. I'm really high on a lot of them. Um, the first one, and you mentioned it, John, uh, Patrick Sertan. He was my number one corner. Basically, once 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 I found out, honestly, once I read the guy, your guys' guide and found out about Caleb Farley's knee and his back. And then once the knee started to flare up and become a much bigger question, it wasn't even close. Like for me, the fact that JC Horn went before Sertan, I thought they made a mistake because I think Patrick Sertan's a much better player, especially for the Broncos system. Uh, what do you guys think? Like, I, I know he was cornerback one, um, but kind of how do you guys feel about the fit? How do you guys kind of feel about that pick? Because um, I know he may not actually start early. Yeah, they definitely loaded up on cornerbacks. They got Ronald Darby in, um, certainly building up the secondary and everything. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we had said kind of all through the process that it felt like he was a, the perfect fit there where um, you kind of debate if taking a, a quote-unquote zone corner that high is is worth it, but I think he's more than a zone corner. I mean, he's he's shown everything in his career. I mean, obviously playing at, at Alabama, they play all different kinds of defenses. Um, he's playing uh, one side of the field, so he's seeing number ones, number twos. He's playing single receiver X sides where he's manning up guys no matter what. Um, and he's just flashed every aspect of his game, the play recognition, the zone awareness, the – um, the ability to redirect and man, all that kind of stuff is stuff that he's shown through three years at Alabama and a Nick Saban defense. He's got the, the, the mental side of things. He's got the physical side of things. He's got the pedigree, uh, from his dad. Like he just kind of checks all the boxes where Horn might've been the, the, maybe an upside play. Like, I, I mean, I would, I would think that, that anybody taking him ahead of, of Sertan would be looking for maybe an upside play there, um, based on his athletic profile and everything. But Sertan is certainly the safe pick. And and not to say that he's a bad pick by any means, he's the safe pick and a, a high floor, high ceiling guy. So um, I have no issues with him going there. That was about where I thought that he would go. I think it's a good scheme fit, regardless. And uh, and like I mean, he stepped in day one and played as the as the star role, the the nickel cornerback role for Nick Saban as a true freshman. So um, and then bounced outside. So he's going to fit in wherever they need him to. Well, and that I'm glad you mentioned that too because one of the big thing, one of the big talking points right after the draft is that uh, Sertan. There's question about how, like, in the local media covering the Broncos about if he could play in the nickel. And when I actually looked at uh, your guys's charting, he played in the nickel over the course of his career. He played it 23 percent of the time, and he played early on, played in the slot quite a bit. So I don't think for me it's not a big question at all. Um, I do have some concern just because he didn't do the lateral agility tests and. So I do wonder a little bit about the change of direction a little bit, but at, at the same time, it's not a huge concern for me. I think he can play. I'm I'm not. I, I like the pick a lot. 
I, I question the value just because, again, he passed on fields. But at the same time, I love the player. Yeah, he was definitely – he played that nickel role his first year just because that's that's typically where Alabama puts their guys that um, they want to get guys on the field. And the, and the older guys kind of earn the right to play on the outside, play on the perimeter, and then um, they usually have some young upstart guy to just get on the field and put him in the nickel spot just to get that experience and get him on the field, and then he'll bump outside as his career progresses. So that's certainly what they did with Sertan. Um, and it was his least productive year, but, I mean, that's too expected. I mean, playing inside and playing – um playing as a true freshman as well but um yeah it certainly does feel like that, that he's more of an outside cornerback he's maybe not the the inside slot quick-footed lateral agility type um but the fact that he's done in the past Nick Saban trusts him there and everything like if you needed to get him on the field that would be a role that he could fill um but ultimately understanding that he's going to end up being on the boundary someday yeah, and the, well, in a couple of years ago, and again, part of this is due to necessity. But at one point, the Broncos had Duke Dawson playing significant nickel snaps. I have a hard time believing that Patrick Zertan is worse in the nickel than Duke Dawson would be. Um, and I and I'm not hating. I'm not trying to hate on Duke Dawson. I just Duke Dawson had a lot of the same questions in terms of like change of uh, change of direction, but probably more so. And then it overall, Sertan's better at coverage. So I just I'm I'm not concerned about it too much. I do think eventually he's going to be an outside corner though for sure. Um, the other, the next pick, and again, this is a similar, it's not the same because obviously it wasn't a quarterback, but, uh, I saw, first of all, John, I know you and I have talked about Javante Williams quite a bit. The, the big question I have about Javante Williams, and it's not the question so much as just like my big kind of like nitpick on this, the Broncos traded up for him. And not only did they trade up for him, they passed on Tevin Jenkins. And I got, I know you guys aren't as high on Tevin Jenkins, but I really liked his fit in a gap scheme with the Broncos and the fact that like in Elijah Wilkinson type of role. Just because, like, they'll protect him a little bit in pass pro, and he's really good on down blocks, and I liked that. And they, in, in the overall fact of the, the Broncos passed on basically every single tackle, and they had an opportunity there to get basically anybody, um, outside of the first round guys, and they took Javante Williams. That said, I had Javante Williams as my number one running back basically from the moment I scouted him, um, all the way through. And I know when you and I talked about him, we were both quite high on him. And you wrote his report, I thought it was fantastic. Um, so probably a good fit right yeah no appreciate it uh, yeah it's one of those things where i mean i can i can love javante williams and think he's a fantastic running back think he's going to be great and still question the process of getting him still question the players that were passed up on um question i mean like we're not even touching on the idea that you pass on a potential franchise quarterback in the first round and then you trade up for running back in the second round like that's kind of backwards thinking in in the age of 2021 nfl football but um, all that being said, and as long as we understand all of that, Javante Williams is a fantastic player, and I think he's going to step in and be a dynamic running back. Um, it's kind of, as we've talked about, it's kind of building up the the offense to where Drew Locke doesn't really have excuses. I mean, this is you're giving him every chance. He drafted a bunch of receivers last year who are not going to be rookies anymore and hopefully going to take that next step. We're very high on Jerry Judy and, and all that. So um, hopefully they all take the next step with Drew Locke and you – draft a, a big time running back you're getting von miller back you're building up the defense like there's kind of you're getting every opportunity to see if he is the guy um which i think is a fair shot for him uh javante's awesome he's going to be downhill thumper um he's uh he's not really going to be your, your slashing type but he's got plenty of that to do if if you need him to um outside zone running back uh not really going to be a guy to stretch it wide too much but um, but inside the tackles, he's, he's very patient behind the line. He hits his holes hard, and then he's just dynamic in the open field, just 
with his ability to break tackles. Um, we've talked about kind of my concerns with the nitpicking concern would be if he's going to be able to break tackles at that rate in the NFL against grown men, which I mean, you never know, but I would think that the way that he did it in college would at least mean that he's going to be able to carry over some of that in the NFL. Um, he's just a lot of fun to watch. He's got pass pro for days as a rookie, which is a huge thing. That's pretty rare to see in a, in a young running back for him to step in right away. And maybe he's not the most dynamic pass catcher, but he's going to be able to play on third downs because he can pass protect and you're going to be able to trust him doing that. Um, so I think he's, he's pretty close to a full package of what you're looking for as a true rookie running back. Um, so, I mean, if you were to trade up for running back early second round, he checks a lot of the boxes that I would be looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you would philosophically do that in the first place is a separate thing, but um, he definitely fits the bill of somebody that you would at least maybe stretch that definition for. Mm-hmm. And one thing I like too about him, and this is one of those things that jumped out to me when I was watching him early on, is the fact that Pat Shermer asks his backs to block quite a bit. And then the actual route running that Shermer up to this point, other than Saquon, Saquon kind of was an exception. Um, and also it's just probably because of Saquon. Uh, most of the routes that Shermer asks his backs to run are really simple. It's basically check down stuff. And I feel completely 100% confident that Javante Williams can do that. Um, I liked his hands quite a bit. Yeah, no, no issues with his hands. It's just one of those things where he's not like the your shifty, like yeah, yeah. get him in a mismatch situation, like to run some choice routes over the middle and, and really break off a linebacker or something like that. Like, yeah, if you're you can do a lot worse than Javante Williams, where if you're if he's the check down option on a on a swing route and you get it to him a yard behind the line and he's running with a full head of steam and a cover two cornerback or something, like that's a that's a win for the offense. So um he can certainly do that. So one thing I noticed as I was kind of going through the guide is as the Broncos started to turn to the next couple rounds, they started to go a little bit farther off of where you guys were on players. And and so I'm kind of curious where you guys land on Quinn Miners, just because, again, admittedly, I did not do a lot of scouting on interior offensive linemen because I didn't think the Broncos were going to – I thought if the Broncos were going linemen, they were going after tackles. I didn't, I didn't think they were going to go after an interior guy, especially that high. And so when they ended up with Winers, again, like everything I've read about him, I'm – optimistic but he's coming from d3 so it's like i've i've watched a little bit of tape since but i'm watching d3 tape so it's it's hard to really know how much i'm really gleaning out of a guy beating up on future teachers and lawyers yes he's a guy that if you watch his 2019 tape and compare it to what he did at the senior bowl it's a completely different player um you have a, a lot of differences there and I, I think you heard a lot of scouts say that as well. Yeah. Um, he wasn't really on a lot of guys' radars. And then, you know, he comes to the senior bowl. Obviously, you want to get those small guys in there and see what they can do against the top competition. And, and he really didn't disappoint at all. Um, he, he was showing a lot of good things. Uh, he was showing the ability to, to anchor down quickly against these speed rush guys or the bull rush guys. Very tough and powerful player as well. Um, finishes plays through the whistle. So he's, you know, one of those feisty finishers um, he's, and he's versatile. That's one of the big things I think with him, he can kind of play all three of those interior offensive line positions. Um, so you're not just plugging him into, you know, one guard spot or just center or something like that. So he can kind of move around and be that, that versatile backup at least for a while. Um, but he's, he's definitely a guy that I think can develop. He can grow uh, already has that big following with the belly and everything. So, you know, that that can't hurt him. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's a guy that, you know, we were a little bit lower on, uh, obviously, but you, you look at the 2019 tape, it's not overly impressive, but then you will be kind of turn the senior bowl on it and you look at what he, he can possibly do. Uh, and if that's the kind of guy you're going to get, I think he's a guy that could possibly be in that starting lineup in the next couple of years. 
Well, and that was that was my next kind of question off this is the fact that the Broncos did take Quinn Miners so high after taking Lloyd Cushenberry the year prior in the same round. To me, and again, I might be misreading this because I'm jumping to a conclusion here, but to me, that's a sign that they're not necessarily super high on Lloyd Cushenberry going forward. Um, and looking back on that pick, uh, the Broncos actually didn't want, well, I mean, not to say they didn't want Cushenberry, but they were actually looking at Hennessy, Matt Hennessy out of Temple. And then the Falcons got him before they did, and they ended up settling on Cushenberry next. So like, and then again, he played all his rookie year, but he was pretty bad for basically almost his entire rookie year, probably until about the Miami game until he started to kind of turn around. But at that point, you know, like you can only really improve from being the worst starting center in football. Um, and again, I'm not trying to hate on him, but like, that's kind of the reality of it. So do you think like minors, like how, how, like there, there's, there, I don't know how to ask the question. Basically, how soon do you think Quinn Myers could really push Cushenberry realistically? Yeah. It is a big jump. Certainly. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I, I wasn't super high on Cushenberry last year. And I was one of the guys who cross-checked Quinn Miners this year and, and wasn't super high on, on Miners just strictly off of the 2019 film. So, um, and they do feel like slightly different players where Cushenberry is a bit lighter as a center um, and Miners is obviously like the, the, the big brute playing guard and knocking guys over and everything. Um, yeah, Cushenberry, we, he was up there for blown blocks for us this season. Um, I can't remember the time I hit if it was starkly bad in pass pro or, or run blocking. One of the two was like worse than the NFL. The other one kind of buoyed him as being an okay center, but um, really needs to, to improve there. And, uh, and yeah, we, we think Miners could be center or guard. Um, one of my big concerns with Miners was his balance in college. I thought he had a lot of balance issues from um, laterally and pass pro with like sideline to side, or side to side movement with guys um, or even getting up to the second level, uh, working past the first guy, getting up to the linebacker level and, and having that space to work within and a guy breaking him off and, and falling over. He was on the ground way too much for a guy as dominant as he should have been. Um, and uh, but then, yeah, he gets the senior bowl. And I think for me, at least, a lot of the reason why he looked better was because even though it is a lot of one on one, so you'd think there's more space, it's really just you're within the box. It's a one on one situation. You're not really worried about the second level. You're not worried about lateral stunts or anything like that, crossing over stuff. Um, and so I think in a one on one situation, that's where he shined in college. That's where he was able to maul guys in a phone booth and, and knock guys over and stuff and, and really show those strong hands and everything. Um, the team situations was where he flashed some more issues there. So um, it's definitely going to take him some time. I mean, that's a huge jump for him to move up there. Um, it is impressive, though, that he did go to the Senior Bowl and just physically, like from a physical strength standpoint and everything, he was able to hold up. So that's going to be able to to make him have an impact and, and be on the roster 53-man and be counted on at least as a versatile backup right away. Um, and then, yeah, it remains to be seen if he's uh, if he's a future center, future guard. Uh, I think center, that was the first time he'd played center at the Senior mm-hmm. Bowl. That was his first reps really doing that. Like once he'd gotten the call to come to the Senior Bowl, he started practicing it. Um, but he hadn't really, like he'd maybe done it in practice, but never did in a game. So um, it depends on where they're, they're looking at him in the future. But it is interesting that they do kind of have different body types, different play styles between him and Cushenberry. Well, one kind of question off of that is, do you think the if the if Quinn Miners ends up at center and then like kind of looking at Javante Williams and Javante Williams, in my opinion, looked a lot better in gap type scheme than he did in zone. And granted, not to say like I, I don't hate him in zone. I know he had some issues with decision making in zone, just like he picked the wrong hole, stuff like that. And I think part of that and again, this might be just me being optimistic, but I put some of that on his inexperience. But I'm thinking 
the fact that they had Javante Williams and now that they grabbed Quinn Miners, if Quinn Miners finds his way into the starting lineup sooner or later, is that kind of a sign that the Broncos are looking to incorporate more gap concepts, do you think? You would think so, yeah. I, I definitely think that the strengths of those two guys, um, your your number two and number three picks there, would be more in a gap scheme, more in a, a man downhill power scheme, um, as opposed to like flowing laterally. Lloyd Cushenberry is a bit more athletic. Um, that it's definitely two different strengths there. So I would I would say that there is somewhat of an indication there for sure. Cool. Uh, so then, so this is actually my favorite pick of the draft, and I might be crazy, uh, but. They took Baron Browning basically right before the turn uh, at the end of day two. And again, I might be crazy high on him. I had him as my LB3 for the Broncos going in. And a big part of that, and again, I'm not saying I am ignoring the issues because even going back over his tape now, you definitely see some of it. Especially like there's times where he's dropping in coverage and he'll, he looks the wrong way. Like his head turned, like you can see that he's missing the turn. Uh, But at the same time, I'm just really optimistic that Fangio can kind of get him right. Um, And again, that might just be me sipping Kool-Aid on this. Uh, and the athletic tools are just obvious. Uh, but they, they've already, there's been a lot of talk about how they're moving into 3-4, basically strictly being off ball in the in 3-4 instead of moving around like he did at Ohio State. I think some of that is a little bit overblown just because he's still going to have a lot of the same responsibilities. But he'll have one job instead of multiple. Um, and I also know in the guide, you guys wrote that basically him in a 3-4, in a it's going to, let his strengths show more and kind of hide his weaknesses in coverage. Um, how do you like that pick? Like, am I, am I crazy for being this high on him? Um, Cause he has Josie Jewell in front of him. I feel like he's going to probably eventually beat out Josie Jewell early on. Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I think in the third round, you're looking at a pretty good pick here. We actually had him, I think, as our number two mic. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we didn't have a, a, a lot of great mics this year. Um, so we were down a little bit. So maybe, you know, in a normal class, you're probably looking at maybe like four or five. Um, but yeah, overall, like, like you said, the athleticism is there. Um, crazy athlete. And he's he's not a guy that you're just going to plug in the middle of the defense uh, and, and just kind of go straight ahead. He's a guy that can kind of play sideline to sideline. He can play outside of the box uh, and things like that. Has that range um, that you want to see that can kind of get to the edge and meet those running backs on the on the edge there. Um, like you said, the the instincts are a little bit of an issue. Um, that's one thing that you definitely want uh, him to improve on. Uh, and that's one thing that you're hoping that maybe he, he sits for a little bit. I think Josie Jewell is what he's not the, the craziest athlete in the world, yeah. but he does play with pretty good instincts. Um, so I, I think he's maybe someone that he can kind of sit behind and learn behind a little bit. Uh, I think a lot of the film study and the tape study is going to be helpful for him. Um, but you're looking at a guy here that can kind of do everything. He can rush the passer. Uh, he can, you know, play in coverage. He can play in the run game. Uh, so he can kind of do a little bit of everything. 
Uh, you know, the coverage isn't isn't his best trait, obviously. Um, but I think being able to kind of move him around and, and let his athleticism show is kind of what makes him him. Um, so I think, you know, allowing that is going to be something that will be helpful for him. Um, but maybe, you know, early on kind of putting him in one spot, telling him to do, hey, just do this thing first. Uh, worry about this and then kind of allowing him to develop it and branch out from there uh, might be his best, uh, you know, best thing for him uh, moving forward. But yeah, I, I mean, when you're looking in the middle of the third round, when you're getting a guy who we graded a six, five, uh, I think that's a pretty good value right there. Well, and the other question I have for you on that too, is the three big weaknesses I saw in the guide for him are uh, his short area change of direction, uh, stack and shed, and then his instincts. Um, and obviously again, like you and I both agree on the instincts for sure. Uh, and I do see the stack and shed. He'll let people get into his body. Um, but how much do you think some of that is teachable versus how much of that is just, it's going to always be an issue. Um, Cause I think instinct, like instincts feels like such an umbrella term. Uh, when I've done evaluations, it's kind of like vision with Javante Williams, people like Javante Williams. I knocked him for vision, but it's like the things that I think he's bad at in terms of vision are very specific. And like his overall vision isn't necessarily a problem. It's just the things that he's bad, you know? So like with Baron Browning though, it's a little bit tougher just because the processing stuff, some of that may just be, and again, this might be me being optimistic. Some of that may just be that he's bounced around a lot, but also some of it just might be that the game is fast for him. Um, how realistic do you think some of that might improve? Yeah. I mean, we always talk about linebacker instincts is probably one of the toughest things to try and actually evaluate um, because you're, you're kind of trying to assume something that you can't really you know, physically see always. Um, so you're hoping that a, a lot of that is coming from the film study. You're, you're hoping a lot of that is coming from, uh, you know, his football intelligence, being able to, to read and recognize what's going on in front of him. Um, so I think yeah, to a degree, there is a little bit there that he can learn and develop with. Um, but then the other aspect, you, you know, instincts are something that you're almost born with. Yep. Um, you got to be able to have that or you kind of don't. Um, but I do think, you know, there are a few guys, you know, we don't want to, have a lot of exceptions or anything, but um, there are a few guys that can really get by with maybe not being super instinctual and super athletic by being super smart uh, and really knowing the film study and knowing their opponent and everything. So um, I do think some of it comes from, you know, he was moved around a lot. He was playing a lot, you know, wearing a lot of hats, playing a lot of different areas. And I think if maybe you put him in one spot and just kind of tell him to do this, uh, that might help him. And, and, you know, as he, be, you know, begins to grow and, you know, gets a few years under his belt, then you can kind of put a little bit more on him. Um, but yeah, I think that's something where, uh, you know, you're hopeful that, that that's something that he can kind of develop and, and as he kind of goes and sits behind these guys for a year or so. Um, but I do think, you know, he gets out there. He is, you know, I think the athleticism is going to mask some of it, um, you know, just because of, of the, the physical, uh, you know, player that he is. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a question, but I, I do think it is, uh, you know, optimistic to think that he can kind of pick some of these things up, uh, you know, at least here in the next couple of years. One other thing I really liked going back through the guide now that, I, uh, now that I know, you know, that they're Broncos is, uh, one of the big things that showed up for me with Baron Browning is I was looking at the advanced stats and I saw, uh, as far as his blitzing, uh, in 2018, he blitzed 35% of the time in 2019, he blitzed 19% of the time. And then last year he blitzed 20% of the time the Broncos last year. And again, part of this was losing Von Miller, but they blitzed Alexander Johnson, and Josie Jewell, like 230 something snaps. Like it was insane, like a lot. Um, and it showed up, you know, it was one of those things that was very, very clear. So to me, the fact that Baron Browning, even if he doesn't play a lot this year, I like the idea that if the Broncos don't keep Alexander Johnson long-term, 
Baron Browning may very well have the same skill set to kind of step in into that role and add like the athleticism on top of it. Um, but again, it's hoping that like kind of he figures out the reading the field part of it a little bit more. Um, the next couple of picks really surprised me because at this point in the draft, I was I was really kind of itching for a tackle, uh, and I knew that the Broncos kind of needed one. Um, again, I'm I never blamed Juwan James for opting out, but it was just one of those things where it was like he played 65 snaps since 2019, so it was like it just seemed kind of clear that they should take a guy, but instead of taking a tackle, they took two safeties. Uh, they went Caden Stearns first. And then they took Jamar Johnson. And I actually thought it was interesting that Jamar Johnson was the second safety and they still took him just because a lot of other places were really, really high in Jamar Johnson. And you guys had him just about right um, in terms of like where he'd go in the draft. Um, I didn't realize King Stearns was going to go first, though. I will admit that. Um, but of the two, kind of like who's saying, like, if one of these two guys is going to end up taking over for Kareem Jackson, who do you think kind of has the better chance? Because um, I also saw that Kareem ja- uh I also saw that Jamar Johnson played a lot of slot. Um, so he may very well be a slot long-term. Yeah, that's, you know, when you're looking at both of these guys, they, they bring two separate skill sets here. Um, so you're looking at a guy like Caden Stearns uh, out of Texas. He's more the athletic safety. He's more the guy that has the range on the back end. He's your free safety. He's not going to be that guy who, you know, is consistently coming up to the line, supporting the run. Um, but he's a very rangy guy, plays with good speed, has good ball skills. Um, playing that maybe one high safety look uh, or even in a two high on the back end. Um, that's the type of guy that you really want to have as a, kind of your like quarterback of the secondary, uh, good communicator, things like that. So you're looking at more of the athletic guy, more of the rangy guy with, with Stearns. Uh, and when you're looking at a guy like Johnson, um, I think you're looking more at like that second level player. You're looking at the slot player. Like you said, he played a lot of slot. He can be that slot defender, um, but he's also a guy that can kind of come down and make those plays in the intermediate level as well. Um, can play man or zone coverage, has very good ball skills, uh, makes plays at the catch point. Uh, he, he's, again, not one of those big-time run stuffers, um, so you don't really have the run stuffer on either of them as well. Um, but he, he struggles a little bit with the instincts in the run game, so he's not really a guy that's going to be you know, super effective whenever you're talking about uh, you know, supporting the run and in, in the different uh, aspects of that. But, you know, you're looking at a, a solid cover defender here. So he is one of those guys that maybe he can play on the back end a little bit, but I like him more in that slot, make him, you know, more in that second uh, second level of the defense area, um, kind of hitting on those intermediate routes. So they are two kind of different players. So if you're looking for a guy that is that more rangy guy, more of that ball hawk guy that can kind of, you know, play on the back end, I think you're going with Stearns. But if you want a guy that maybe is a better cover player um, and, a, and a better player that can maybe slide down in the slot or slide down into that second level, then I think you're looking at Johnson. Well, and one other thing that really stood out to me too is, and you mentioned it, is that neither one of them are necessarily like really known for being great at tackling, um, which is interesting because again, like basically since Fangio was hired, Broncos fans have just had it in their heads that every DB has to be able to tackle. And Neither one of these guys are, and honestly, and we're going to get to Kerry Vincent for a second too. And Kerry Vincent isn't necessarily like a super physical tackler either. So it, to me, it was kind of an, it might necessarily be a sign that Peyton is looking at it differently and weighing it a little bit differently than Fangio would compared to like how Elway was doing in the past. But it also might be a sign that it's a misnomer that Fangio has to have good tacklers because he might be able to teach them. Um, do you think that yeah. that's part of it? I think so. I, I mean, honestly, whenever you're looking at, you know, today's NFL, you you want guys that can cover. And I think that's maybe 
what kind of uh, steered them in this direction. You know, these are two good players, two different skill sets, uh, you know, in terms of what we talked about. But these two guys can can cover a little bit. Maybe they're not the best, you know, run defenders and everything. But I think that's something that can kind of be taught a little bit. And and also, like, you're kind of hoping that, you know, here and there, they're, they're going to be able to bring a guy down. Um, you know, they're not going to miss every single tackle. Uh, maybe they're going to miss a, a few here and there. But I, you know, honestly, me and probably you know 99% of, of NFL coaches, you know, in today's NFL, you're winning guys that can cover receivers. Yeah. Um, you're not really worried about coming down and making plays at, you know, a, an eight yard gain instead of a six yard gain or something like that. Uh, you want guys that can cover these receivers whenever they're in these three, four or five wide sets. Uh, and I think these are guys that can kind of do that for them. That was actually one of my issues ba- going back to last year's draft with Michael Ojemudia over some of the other corners that were available when he was taken was that Michael Ojemudia was like a clear zone corner. Big strengths of his game was that he was tackling, but I had a lot of questions about his ability to cover. And it's almost the opposite this year with the, the guys they brought in. So honestly, I, I prefer this to last year. And I'm not trying to hate Ojemudia. I just, I, I, I like these prospects more for that. Um, Kind of looking at the day three guys, just because again, I like Kerry Vincent. Um, I, I start to see that the room looks pretty crowded at this point. Like, and, and again, like the Broncos made a point to do this at most positions anyway, but Kerry Vincent was the fourth DB the Broncos brought in. Um, Grant, you guys were really high on him. I liked him. I, the fact that the fact that he ran track at LSU to me is really cool. Um, not only that he ran it, but he was really, really good at it. Um, it's a good sign. Cause I think that speaks to like what he could possibly add on special teams. Um, because I think that's how he's going to have to make his hate is to make the roster early for sure. Definitely, yeah. I mean, you you take a guy in the seventh round there with his athletic profile, with his track speed, with um, maybe having some concerns with changing directions and covering players across the middle, uh, with the size and all that stuff. You're taking a guy like that to be definitely a special teams contributor first and foremost. And then in his career at LSU, he played a lot of different positions. He, he <laughs> wore a lot of hats for them. Um, so that's exactly the kind of guy that you're looking to take on day three. Um, a guy who has the speed first and foremost, um, which is what you're looking for on special teams and uh, might be lacking in size to play defense consistently, but at least he's aware and, and can play multiple different spots. He can back up a lot of different roles and then just dominate on special teams. So that's that's definitely what you're looking for uh, in that guy in, in the seventh round for sure. Do you uh, – because one of the other things I noticed too, I, I was looking at Jamar Johnson, Kane Stearns, and Kerry Vincent, and I keep asking myself if all three of them kind of offer something to potentially be a returner. And I know for Johnson and Stearns, their return experience goes back to high school more than anything. Um, but Vincent, the fact that he was like a fast guy like that, is it, and again, it, I know just being fast, it's not Madden. It's not just saying, Hey, put a 99 speed guy back there and you'll be good. But, but, but do you think that might be a factor? Because I know like when the Broncos went to sign Mike Boone, a lot of it was the fact that, and Peyton said this afterwards, like in his press conference, that they wanted a guy, not only that could be a running back, but it could also contribute to special teams. And Deontay Spencer on the other side of it, like he's a receiver for the Broncos. He's their primary returner, but he basically, that's all he really offers the roster. And again, I'm not trying to hate him, but he's small, like so small that he doesn't really offer much on offense. So like I look at the three safeties and I kind of think that maybe they're trying to get a guy who can play on defense or back up somebody on defense and also potentially take that job. So they don't need to use a roster spot on just a returner. Yeah, potentially. And, uh, and especially with this day and age with special teams, um, it's nice to have the guys like Kerry Vincent, those guys who were really good fast guys in high school returning kicks and everything. Um, 
but with the the limited ability for returners these days and like the the limited impact those guys have these days it's almost more important to have a sure-handed guy back there just to fair catch stuff just to uh return and kickoff get up to the 20 yard line and just don't fumble basically um unless you're looking for a, a kickoff return guy who, who can really kind of be a game breaker there but the the return game ability is has become less valuable these mm-hmm. days um so yeah i would say those guys were first and foremost taken more for coverage abilities um on special teams units and then if they have any versatility to return kicks as long as they show solid hands i mean i'm like the being a kicker turn at LSU is obviously a pretty competitive role there. So um, yeah. who knows how good he might actually be. And he just didn't get a chance to at LSU or whatever. That's, that's certainly not, um, that's, that's not taking anything away from him. They could be a returner at LSU because there's a lot of guys that, that go there wanting to do that. But um, yeah, I would expect him to be more of an impact on other special teams units. Anything he can add as a returner is a bonus. That's, that's exactly why I kind of, and again, I feel like as soon as the Broncos got Deontay, Deontay Spencer, I've been rooting against him and I'm not necessarily rooting against him. I just don't like the idea of designating an entire roster spot to a guy who only really adds value as a returner, just because on kickoffs, due to the way touchbacks work now, basically that guy never touches the ball. Um, And so basically you're getting a guy just because he can return on punts. And I'd rather that guy be able to contribute other places if that's what you're doing with him. Um, But yeah, so that's a whole other thing. But so Seth Williams was their big receiver that they grabbed. Um, and I kind of, I'm going to touch on this just because the undrafted guys all kind of fit this profile too. Every receiver, the Broncos brought in that were rookies were big. Um, and part of that, I think is like the fact that Tim Patrick is a restricted free agent His after this year, he's probably gone. And then Cortland Sutton's coming off of injury. But then I also think it has something to do with the fact that Drew Locke is probably needs sure-handed guys who can win in contested catch situations. Cause Locke's going to give them a chance anyway. Um, but what did you guys think of Seth Williams? Do you think like he can offer that or is he just kind of strictly a special teams guy? I know early on, that's probably what he does, but do you think down the road he could develop into kind of like maybe a backup wide receiver, like a Tim Patrick type of role? Yeah, we, we, Seth Williams is is pretty frustrating. I mean, I I watched him a lot through college and everything. Um, and he's got so much talent, like guys at his size with his athleticism, um at a big school and everything like you see him make the big plays and the highlight plays and you just want that consistently and uh and i always have had in my head of him as being he'll make all the tough plays and he screws up a lot of the easy ones way too many easy drops but he wins a ton of contested catches um and uh and you just need him to clean up those those easy drops because um he's got the size and athleticism he's got really good body control for a guy his size that's definitely something that you look for to not just be a big body, but be able to control yourself in the air, win jump balls, not just um, as a tall guy, but able to get vertical, outstretch guys, control your body against the sideline, against uh, against contact, through contact. Um, not the sharpest route runner, but again, like he separates more with his size and with some body control and some savvy offhand work and everything. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where like that's not going to add up necessarily to being a, a high impact on the field receiver right away. Um, he's going to have to refine some stuff before he gets there. Uh, and obviously, like we've talked about, the, the Broncos have added to their running back or to their receiver room a lot in the past couple of years. Um, and so adding him to the mix, he's certainly like, as far as it goes with this philosophy that they have of bringing in big receivers lately, um, that's definitely seems to be a philosophical thing, a trend that they're moving towards. Um, he's got the, the size and athleticism combo that fits that mold to a T. Um, so he makes sense as a guy to, to throw a dart on 
see if he can kind of refine some things and become a more consistent player and uh, and maybe crack the lineup on, on the field beyond fourth downs. One thing I saw when I was – because, again, I, I was looking at all the advanced stats too just because like, it's one of those things like when I first read the reports, I always kind of like overlook a lot of that. Like I look at it like kind of briefly, but once I know that they're on the Broncos, I'm like, oh, shoot, like where – you know, where do these guys really stand out? And uh, I saw – 33% of his th- 1,116 career routes that he ran were deep routes. And the fact that like Drew Locke, like, uh, and again, I might, I might, I know Drew, Drew Locke threw a lot of deep balls last year. And it's one of those things that like, I like that about him. I also like the fact that like he is a willing blocker. Um, I saw that you guys gave him strengths, like in strength and then how it helps him separate, but also the fact that it shows up when he's blocking stuff like that. So it's, I'm, I'm optimistic, but the whole, like, the drop thing is – I could see fans turning on him really quickly because that was one of those things that happened to Deshaun Hamilton. So I, I hope that doesn't happen, but it's definitely, like, a concern for me. Um, yeah, he's one of those guys that's that's definitely frustrating to watch. He's, like John said, he's such a good athlete and, and brings, you know, such great, uh, you know, athleticism to some of these ridiculous catches, but then you just drop in the, big, the easy ones that are dropping some touchdowns, things like that. Uh, and you know, he's not that super vertical threat as in like, he's not the speed demon that's going to be able to, to run by all these guys, but yeah, he does use that play strength, uh, and use that body control to kind of, you know, wall off defenders, use that route savvy as well. Um, so yeah, he's got a, a few different things that he can kind of bring to the offense and yeah, with that receiver room being pretty crowded, I think he can, he can definitely compete for, um, you know, one of those depth positions there. And, and I'm going to ask this just because I know people are going to ask me this. How much of that would you attribute to Bo Nix? Because I know Bo Nix, and granted, there's there's like a report right now that the NFL might be really high on Bo Nix. I don't believe that, but I have seen it. Um, but when I've watched Bo Nix, like, and again, I haven't watched him a lot, but when I've watched him, like I, I, I would be shocked if he makes it in the NFL based on what I've seen so far. I don't want to hate on anybody, but yeah, I'll yeah, hate on sorry. Bo Nix. I'm, 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 not, <laughs> I'm not a Bo Nix fan at all. Um, yeah, it, that could be some of it. Uh, obviously, you know, if he's putting the ball right on you and you yeah. don't have anyone within five yards and you're dropping it, that's kind of kind of on on you. But um, yeah, I will say there's a lot of times it, it's it's hard to watch Auburn's offense to be honest, um, and a lot of it with you know just a scheme that they kind of run. But yeah, Bo Nix doesn't make it any easier. Cool. Yeah, that's if he if he gets drafted in the first first of all if the Broncos draft him next year I might be out on Peyton altogether based on everything I've seen so far but um I I, I don't want to like get too focused on Jonathan Cooper I want to talk about him just a little bit just because the Bron- I saw Edge is a bigger need than clearly George Payton did um the Broncos brought back Von Miller they kept Millie Greed they kept Bradley Chubb as of now um. I know, like, and I say this just because as of now, just because there was rumors at one point that Bradley Chubb might be kind of part of a deal if they did make a deal for a big quarterback. Um, but that said, I thought uh, because of Von Miller's injury, I kind of saw Edge as a bigger need. They took Cooper late. Um, and again, I'm not trying to hate on him because, again, like, this is a serious health issue. But, like, he was diagnosed with an arrhythmia and he underwent multiple heart surgeries when he was 14. And then he actually missed camp, like, the, the first camp this year. Because they, right before the draft, apparently, like the Indianapolis, like the, the combine checkup that they did this year, they found something. They actually had a minor procedure to like clean that up. Um, granted, I, you know, he, he'll probably be fine for training camp. Um, but do you think like he has like a realistic chance to like really kind of like show up and kind of make a fight for edge four? Or is he probably just a special teamer? Um, I mean, obviously, when you're talking or, about heart issues, that's. 
Sorry, I meant uh, not special team. I meant uh, practice squad. That, that's my bad. Yeah, it's okay. Um, yeah, whenever you're talking about heart issues, I, I think that's there's big red flags that go up there. Um, you hope that he's ready, but also a guy like that, you can't really push him too hard. You know, you, you don't really know. Um, but whenever you're looking at, at the actual player, assuming everything does kind of come back correct, uh, he, he comes back, he's able to play. Um, you know, we pegged him more as that 4-3 defensive end, but considering he's more of that tweener type size, I think he can stand up. Um, I, I think he'll have a little learning curve with it, but I think he'd be able to stand up in the 3-4. Uh, I, I think the, the get off and the initial quickness are kind of the big things for him, and I think that'll be helpful for him because uh, he, he, he's a guy that plays fast. Um, he, he's strong at the point of attack, uh, plays smart, plays disciplined. So that's the kind of things that you want on the edge there. Um, but he does lack some, you know, overall strength to be able to anchor the edge. Um, doesn't always have that plane of attack uh, as a pass rusher as well. Um, the one thing I do like, he does, you know, use a lot of different pass rush moves. He does have a bit of a repertoire there. Um, and I think that is going to help him um, whenever he does actually kind of get that plan. Um, but that's something that he definitely needs to develop. And, and I mean, there's not a lot of guys that come from college to the NFL that really have a true plan whenever they're getting to the NFL level, because there is a lot that changes. Um, but I think that's, that's something that'll be a little bit uh, bigger learning curve for him. Um, but I, I think he is a guy that plays, you know, uh, probably starts on the practice squad. Uh, but I, I think he does have enough there that assuming he is healthy, uh, he's going to be able to come out and maybe be that depth guy that, that maybe throws out, uh, you know, 10 or 12 snaps a game, at least early on. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And and I, I'm going to be real. That's kind of what I see for Marquis Spencer, too. So I don't want to take up too much of your time talking about him. I kind of think, first of all, the Broncos' defensive line room is just insane in terms of, like, just bodies. Um, so it just, it just looks like they kind of took him just because they didn't want to have to risk losing him in undrafted free agency. That's kind of what I saw it as is they wanted to make sure they got him and then they're going to stash him on the practice squad for a year and see if he's there after some of these other guys are gone. Um, but kind of looking at, is there anybody who really stands out to you guys when you guys looked at the undrafted pool, uh, that might have a chance? Cause the Broncos have a streak going back forever of an undrafted free agent kind of making the roster. Um, I, I want to say, I know the fans are going to probably buy into Warren Jackson just because he's a big guy from Colorado State. Uh, I question the athleticism. Uh, I, I actually wa- re-watched some of his tape today. And it's kind of funny because he's so tall, he just towers over everybody. But at the same time, like he doesn't necessarily move. Like People are going to compare him to Tim Patrick. I can see it already. But I don't think he moves anything like Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick's a lot more smooth. Um, and that's even then, like when he comes back and like has to cut and stuff, Tim Patrick's a little bit stiff compared to like a Cortland Sutton or somebody like that. But Jackson's more stiff than that. So I don't know. But am I am I like who who stands out to you? Sorry, before I ramble about Warren Jackson forever. Yeah, I mean, I think Jackson is one of the guys that I mean, whenever you're just looking at the the guys that they brought in, I think he is kind of the big name. Um, obviously whenever you're talking about the Broncos and you're talking about a guy from Colorado state, obviously, you know, those are going to kind of go together. Um, I, I think it hurt him by not playing this year. Yeah. Uh, I, I think if he would have played, it would have de- definitely, you know, helped him out quite a bit because he, he had a crazy season in 2019. I, and I think, you know, whenever you're looking at the, at a mountain West player, 
Um, you know, production is the biggest thing to kind of get your get people's eyes on you. And I think he needed to take that next step this year. And I think that really hurt him. Um, whenever you're looking at the actual depth chart, uh, you know, there were just a couple of guys that we didn't actually watch. I think we watched like nine of them. Um, you know, not everybody made the book or anything. Uh, but to, I, I, well, but, I wanted to ask you about that just because if they didn't make the book, uh, is it because you guys didn't think that they had a chance like necessarily, or is it just mostly because like just prioritize, prioritizing time? Yeah, I th- a lot of it's that we, you know, we would love to have 500 guys in the book or, or you know, more than that, honestly. And I, I'm trying to push for that, but, um, yeah, we, we kind of have cutoffs at certain grades, uh, for each position. So, um, we're looking at guys that, you know, maybe a five, eight is a cutoff. We saw this guy as a five, seven, so he just didn't make the cut, uh, at this point, or, you know, for, for running backs, it's a little tougher, you know, you have a six, two with a drop up to off to a five, six. So, if you're not making that six, two, you know, you're not going to make the book. So things like that. Um, you know, Warren Jackson was a guy that did make it. Uh, some of these other guys, you know, we did look at and we either thought, you know, they're definitely not good enough or we're just like, yeah, they're, they're not going to make the cut. Um, and I think two guys, I think Loffenberg and Prentice were the two guys we didn't actually watch. Uh, okay. you know, we don't want, we don't watch many fullbacks and then, uh, offensive line, the, the offensive line list gets pretty hefty. So, yeah. uh, we have to cut it off at, at, at some point, but, um, you know, a guy that, that kind of sticks out to me a little bit, um, maybe a guy like Mac McCain. Um, I, I didn't watch a ton of him, um, but I think what he does bring, I mean, you look at the the cornerback room. Obviously, they drafted you know, a couple of guys, but we talked about this before. You look at last year, how many how many corners did the, the Broncos cycle through? Ten. Um, I, I think that you're, you're not looking at a – maybe you're not looking at a guy like, all right, this guy is, uh, you know, a dominant player that we can get undrafted, but you're looking at a – a guy at a position that we struggled with last year. So it's more just about getting bodies in there. And, you know, he did play at that small school, but maybe he has a possibility of coming in, maybe, uh, you know, being that number six guy, maybe being, uh, you know, a, a, a special teams player, things like that. Um, that's one guy, you know, just because uh, more of the position than anything. Um, but I, I think he played well enough that he, he just missed out on our, uh, you know, on our book for the quarterback position. We had a lot of corners in the book. Um, but, you know, purely looking at position and, and the way that the corner situation was in Denver last year, um, that could be a guy that, you know, possibly makes a roster. And I'll go with, um, again, like just to be a completely unsexy pick, Sean Byer, just looking at the depth chart where you have your top two tight ends, um, more receiving threats, really good receiving threats, obviously Noah fan, really special. And then Albert O last year um, can do a little bit of well, he's got the size to be a blocker, but. Sean Byer is going to be a guy who I wouldn't be surprised just comes in and is a rock solid blocker, like unspectacular athletically, really not going to help you much in the passing game. But as a number three tight end to come in every once in a while on, on heavy downs, uh, heavy packages, personnel packages, come in and be a blocker, um, your standard Iowa tight end. Um, he can definitely get that done for you for sure. Um, and then just to circle back, I'll touch on my guy, Marquis Spencer from my alma mater, Mississippi State. Um, definitely a loaded interior D line room for the Broncos. Um, and he definitely fits more of that kind of like a five tech kind of bumping inside a little bit more type. Um, he is versatile three tech, five tech. He can kind of bump around a little bit. He played some quote unquote edge at Mississippi state. Not really, certainly none of like the wide nine stuff. Um, pretty unspectacular athletically, kind of similar to, to Jonathan Cooper in that way, just a little bit bigger body. Um, but he was always a grinder, really good run defender. Um, a big time leader in the locker room, really good character guy. So um, he's the kind of guy where there's, there's nothing wrong with taking a shot on a guy like that late. He's not going to go too high because he's not like 
spectacular pass rusher, super uber athletic guy who's going to be a, a mismatch problem inside. Um, but he's got the mentality. He's got the the stoutness and run defense. He's got some interior versatility to where he could be a, a practice squad guy and kind of work his way through and stick for a while. And I haven't actually had the opportunity to go back and watch him yet. I've had, I've had some trouble finding his tape. Uh, but what I've read about him kind of has me optimistic that like down the road he could make it. Just because I think I think it's one of those things like he's going to be on the practice squad early. And again, I think that's where the Broncos grabbed him, just with the idea that like he's already in the system. He'll sign with us. We'll have a year to kind of get his like body right. And then next year he'll be like the Deshaun Williams. Because I don't think they're going to keep Deshaun Williams long term. But I think that's since they have him, they're going to probably roll him out this year. And then I think down the road that it'll end up being Marquis Spencer taking his job. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. And any of those guys that you take within what they took them like within the last 10 picks of the draft yeah. or something like that, any of those guys that get taken there are pretty much guys that you're afraid somebody else is going to take. So like he's been talking to undrafted free agency, like, you know, he's going to get stolen. Um, you got some teams like trading back into the top 10 picks so they can like, or the last 10 picks, they can grab a guy like that and stash them and, and just understand that like they're, you're, you don't want to fight for him in undrafted free agency. So just kind of force his hand there. So um, he's definitely a guy that, that it seems like. I mean, if you're going to take a guy like in, in that range, you're um, you're targeting him. You're you're willing to to not just trade out and like balk at the year and like either take a shot at him undrafted and, and kind of barter with uh, the agent and everything. But they really wanted to to stick there and, and take a shot on a guy. And, and he's definitely the kind of guy where um, maybe not. You either take a guy who's like a super uber athlete that you're really just taking a shot on that way. And really needs to refine his athletic, his uh, his like route running or his like technical refinement or anything. Or you're taking the guy on the other end of the spectrum who's got maybe the body type, and he's got the mentality, and he's got the experience, and he's like a fifth year senior captain, whatever. And he just maybe isn't going to get it done athletically, but kind of guy that you would not have any problems bringing into your locker room and, and kind of trying to stick and, and really making it tough as a practice squad player and a, and giving the team a look and everything. So. Um, he definitely fits that ladder mold. Well, and one thing I like about him too is that after he was taken, no one seems to notice that he was the Andy Janovich pick. Uh, the Broncos traded Andy Janovich for that seventh round pick that turned into Marquis Spencer, which is actually why I don't blame you guys for not watching Prentice at all because I was shocked that the Broncos signed him. Um, Pat Shermer doesn't use fullbacks like at all. Like I want to say Cox played 18 snaps on offense last year, and that was just because Andrew Beck was hurt. So they they just don't really use him. He, he's 11 and 12 personnel. Outside of the quarterback issue, because like we don't know yet, um, what kind of looks to you like kind of the biggest needs facing the Broncos kind of going into next year, just like before we really know who played, you know. Um, and again, I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, so, you know, I'm not going to hold your feet to the fire too much on this, but is there any spots that kind of jump out to you as like kind of iffy spots or needing uh, to be addressed in 2022? Yeah, I mean – I know you've touched on this a lot, and I, I do think tackle is probably one of those spots. Um, you know, I think you're trying to look at that position, and especially when you're looking at a guy like Drew Locke, you're trying to you keep him upright. You're trying to to keep him, you know, if he is the guy and the front office thinks he's the guy, um, I, I think tackle is one of those positions that you want to try and build up so you can kind of help him out a little bit. Uh, so I, I think, you know, if everything goes to plan, everything, you know, works out, Locke is the guy. Um, you know, plays well this year, then, you know, I could see tackle being addressed, uh, you know, in 2022 um, early on. Again, you know, if you're looking at, you know, Locke and, and Bridgewater really struggling this year, um, then like we talked about earlier, I, I think you kind of have to look at quarterback. Um, but, you, you know, there's a couple different areas uh, uh, in, in ways that they can go. I think, you know, I talked about you uh, about this with you the last time we talked and 
Um, I, I see their roster kind of in that middle, kind of on that teetering line right there. And I think, you know, they had a good enough draft to where they, they solidified some spots and they got depth at areas that they needed. Um, so now everyone just needs to take the, the next step and take it to the next level. Because I think if they do that, they, they have a shot here in the next couple of years to, to really make some noise. Um, but if, if the guys aren't really, you know, taking that next step in their development and things like that, uh, I could see this roster kind of, you know, falling apart just a little bit, um, you know, at certain positions. That's my fear. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm the same way. Um, definitely tackle and, and even like touching on the other side. I mean, like I was very anti Garrett Bowles for a while and I've heard, I haven't watched him specifically myself, but I've heard that he's really taken a massive leap forward. Um, but that's always been a, a, a spot that I've been kind of teetering on there with Garrett Bowles. Not totally sure that he's bought in, but from what I've heard, he's really improved there, but certainly you need to, to kind of solidify the other side. And then you really need to see a lot of improvement in these receivers. Um, I mean, the Cortland Sutton situation moving forward, obviously he's fantastic, but we were really high on Jerry Judy and he had way too many drops last year, but you see the route running and you see all the stuff that we loved about him. Um, knew the hands would possibly be an issue, but um, certainly not to the degree there was last year. So he really needs to continue getting open to make things easy on Drew Locke. And then um, just a lot of young guys elsewhere at, in that receiver room. You need those guys to kind of take a step up and cage the Hamler and like guys that we really liked and you just want to see them take a next step and make sure that like that is the future of that position because otherwise you've invested a lot in, in that position certainly in last year's draft um and you're starting to build like an archetype of what you're looking for you're looking for like a basketball team out there like a lot of high flyers and everything and uh, and they've really loaded up on that spot the past couple of years and if those guys don't necessarily pan out then you're moving on from all those guys and you're kind of left with what do you, you got to reset that position there's really not a lot of like staggering um age ranges in that in that receiver room so um kind of all in on these young guys taking a next step which we think they will certainly um but that's definitely a position to, to keep an eye out for so my one last question for you and i know i didn't give you any sort of real warning on this one is if aaron Rodgers is available like if it if it comes to that in june because again i think like we're kind of in a waiting game until the cap situation makes sense if the packers have to move in there's definitely a possibility, you know, in the next three days that they re-sign them, all that stuff. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, but if the, if the Packers do make Aaron Rodgers available, what is like a, like, what do you think really makes sense in terms of a trade offer? Cause before the like sexual assault allegations and all that stuff with Deshaun Watson, I was in this mindset where basically it was like anything I will trade whatever it takes to get him because not only was he good, but he's 25. Like, you're, you're getting that guy and locking down the quarterback position for probably, you know, 10 plus years. Well, with Aaron Rodgers, I've, I keep going back and forth with this. And this is one of the reasons why I had so much pro like at one point during the draft, when the Broncos passed on fields, the rationale from a lot of team reporters was, well, maybe it's Aaron Rodgers. And that's why, because why take a chance on fields when you can get a sure thing. But my whole thought was, and again, I'm not saying I, I don't know where I stand on that, but Justin Fields is 20. I want to say he's 23, 22. Aaron Rodgers is going to be 38 in December. So, like, even if he's good, we're at this age range that, like, yes, Tom Brady played till he's 20, 45, or he's going to play, you know, until he's, like, 80. But not everybody does that. Drew Brees fell apart at 41. Like, there's no guarantee that Aaron Rodgers is going to play till he's 45. So, like, what's – like, if they're asking for, like, Bradley Chubb and stuff like that, I start to kind of – it gets queasy, like, depending on what they ask for. Like, what do you guys kind of think in terms of that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, thing. yeah, I mean, I think Nate and I are probably in, in sync with this. Um, the Deshaun Watson thing would definitely like you're, you're giving up whatever to get him just for the longevity aspect of it. But then you look at the Aaron Rodgers thing. And if you're sure that he's going to be great for another four years or whatever, 
I still think you would be if if you know that you're going to get like an all-pro quarterback MVP caliber guy, and you've got the team that's going to be ready made to to go deep in the playoffs right now, then I wouldn't have any issue giving up multiple first rounders because you know those are going to be late firsts. It's an easy thing to get rid of there. Um, Deshaun Watson, where he's super young and obviously fantastic now, he could have gone to a team that maybe wasn't ready made, and you just like you have Deshaun Watson forever, and so you know, yeah, you're going to have to like deal with the idea that you don't have some first rounders the next few years, but you know you have him under contract for a while, like you're good. The Aaron Rodgers thing is anybody who's getting him is winning right away. Yeah, not worried about the short term, and uh, and yeah, so like I, I think you'd be giving up at least a couple first rounders, um, at least like the the Matt Stafford package for sure. I would think. Well, my um, my problem with Rodgers, like I have no problem with the picks. I think like, and again, this is just based on like the stuff I've seen floated from like Bleacher Report, ESPN, all these different places where they start adding players. That's where yeah. I start to kind of have qualms, just because. Right, the Broncos roster to me looks like a right tackle and a quarterback away. You you solve quarterback with an Aaron Rodgers or and again, I'm not trying to minimize the allegations, but if you add a player of the caliber of Deshaun Watson to the Broncos roster, I think they're a Super Bowl contender. Um, same with Aaron Rodgers, obviously. And but the thing is, so yeah, I have no problem giving up three first round picks, multiple tech, you know, whatever that takes. But if I'm giving up Bradley Chubb and a cornerback and something else for Aaron Rodgers, I start to say, well, if he's not here in four years, and we just gave up Bradley Chubb, who's probably the next edge rusher that'll be, you know, the core edge rusher after Vaughn Miller, then I start to, you know what I mean? Am I crazy for just that? The short term yeah. reason why you'd be a contender. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's where yeah. I, I'm on the fence with that part of it, but I, picks, I have no problem at all. That's just, yeah, that's exactly what I, I've actually thought about this myself the last couple of days. And, and I was weighing the same question. I, I think if you can guarantee that Rodgers is there for, you know, three, four, five years, I think you make it happen because it's a pretty good chance that you can win a Super Bowl in that time. And I mean, if you look at NFL franchises, maybe, you know, you win a Super Bowl and then you go off for five years, you know, hey, we had that Super Bowl five years ago. Yep. Um, but, you look know, he comes it. in. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but if he comes in and you, like you said, you're giving up three first round picks, you're giving up Bradley Chubb, um, you're giving up guys that could be kind of a staple in the, in the roster, then I'm, I'm a little worried about it because if he comes in and he's here for a year and now you only have one shot, you ended up not making it happen and he's gone. Now you just lost, you know, a quarterback, but now you already lost the guys that you gave up as well, who could have been there for 10 years. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a Lions fan, so I know all about Aaron Rodgers, unfortunately, but he, you know, he's a great, he's a great quarterback. He's a great player. And I would, you know, I would love to have him on my team, but it, you know, you almost have to weigh, you know, does it make sense to give up all of this, uh, you know, ammo and, and even players that we're going to have for maybe five, 10 years uh, to get this guy who may only be here for a year or two. So it, it's definitely a big question. And, you know, Fortunately, I don't have to, you know, make that uh, make that call. But uh, it, it's definitely a, a tough thing that I'm sure uh, the, the Broncos front office has to deal with right now. And I'm a Washington fan, so I'm I'm seeing the same thing there in Rogers stuff from our perspective. And the players that they're throwing in potentially, like I mean, just like people throwing and making up fun trades and stuff, would be one of these D linemen because we have so many of them, yep. and they're all about to come up on contracts. And so that would be a situation where, and as much as I'd love to like keep these five D linemen around forever. Um, just contracts wise, it's going to make a lot more sense to move on from one of them. Um, so you throw in, you do the, the first round picks, you do like Ryan Fitzpatrick, obviously, or whatever, and then you do like a drawn pain or something. As much as I love drawn pain, 
like his contract's about to come up. You're about to pay Jonathan Allen. You're going to have to pay Matt Ioannidis. You got Chase Young and Montez. So I like, that's just like the surplus. So that's just taking advantage of that there. Um, but yeah, if the Broncos don't have somebody where it's like an obvious surplus situation where a guy's about to come up on contract and you're just having to trade away a guy just for the sake of trading away a guy to make the, the value match and you're just diminishing your short-term ability to win with Aaron Rodgers, that's going to be a tough sell. That's uh, I've been putting this off like that part of the thinking for the, you know, since the draft, just because I knew I had a whole month where there was no need, like for all I knew, Aaron Rodgers was going to make up with the Packers, you know, two weeks ago and it wasn't worth worrying about. But now that we're like a couple days away from June, I'm starting to like, Oh shoot. I actually have to start thinking about this because I, ha- I have to have an opinion on it. And yeah, I'm, I'm really torn just because again, and part of it's cause I like the Broncos players, but it's like, I don't want to hurt the chances of winning a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers by giving up the players to get him like that doesn't do anybody any good. So, but uh, thank you so much for coming on though, guys. I really appreciate it. Again, if you guys don't already follow them on Twitter, John is at the real John Todd. Nate is at uh, and coop draft. And then obviously again, you guys have to follow sports info solutions. They are at sports info underscore S I S. If you don't already have the guide, I cannot recommend it enough. At this point, mine is all sorts of pockmarked with notes. I am now going back through it and looking at all the advanced stats and stuff. So when I cite them, if you actually want to know, like if you want to get ahead of me on when I cite them, you need to buy the guide. Um, you can find it at actasports.com uh, backslash the slash SIS slash football slash rookie slash handbook slash 2021. Um, it's also on Amazon. So if you want to do Amazon, you can do that. I went through ACTA sports. Now, appreciate it. Thanks for having us. It's great to come on and, and obviously yeah. talk after the draft here. Sign off or anything. We know that's that great. Thanks for having us.